Hi, my name is Philip Okujima, also known as Lady Phil. This is the COS Catch-Up, a series of conversations between friends about creativity, life and style. I am going to be in conversation with somebody so amazing and so near and dear to my heart. Now, this amazing woman needs no introduction. She is beautiful. She is smart. She is eloquent. She is articulate. And I'm proud to call her my friend, Amber Hikes. Amber, do you know what? It's so great to be here with you, having this conversation, connecting with you. But I just want you to introduce yourself. Yes, absolutely. And and Lady Phil, it is always such an honor. Um, I Any opportunity I get to be in conversation with you, I consider a blessing. Um, absolutely. Uh, my name is Amber Hikes. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And, um, and I am a community organizer, activist, and am currently serving as the Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer at the American Civil Liberties Union, also known as the ACLU in the States. And uh, I'm just so, so thrilled to be in conversation with you. I'm excited to definitely think about all the, the things that I've been meaning to ask you and see if we can capture it in this period of time that we're on the COS catch up. Wonderful. So I should introduce myself. I said my name. I'm the executive director of Kaleidoscope Trust, which is an LGBT plus human rights and I'm also the co-founder and executive director of UK Black Pride, which is a pride for black and brown people in the Pronouns are she, her, or queen, or, you know, super or wonderful. <laughs> so let's, let's kick off. I've, I've got so much that I want to ask you, but... The question I often ask a very good friend of mine, how is your heart right now? Mm, mm. You know, you know, Lady Phil, I appreciate that question. And I, um, I, I think it really gets at what we need to be asking each other beyond how are you doing? How is your heart? And so what's first coming to mind for me is that it is heavy, but hopeful, heavy, but hopeful. And, um, and it's heaviness. It's the heaviness is coming from all that we are experiencing, um, I would say, in, in the world at this time, um, uh, in terms of COVID, um, in terms of the, the uprising uh, for Black lives, uh, so much that we're experiencing, and many of us are in isolation and in, in, in different, um, different kind of variants and, and degrees, but so hopeful, so hopeful. I think um, when we talk about racial justice, when we talk about the rights of LGBTQ folks, we talk about the rights of um, of, of women, non-binary folks. Um, there's a real there's a real movement that's happening now that feels very different from any other time in history. Um, and so, while there is absolutely a heaviness that comes from the kind of like discomfort and pain and trauma that that we're experiencing in the world, there is an absolute hopefulness of what's to come. So, heavy but hopeful. What about you, Lady Phil? How is your heart? I think it's similar to what you said. Um, but if I take it as today, today feels um, very heavy uh, due to just work pressures, family 
seeing what is going on around the world. You know, you can't divorce yourself from the emotional state of what's happening in Nigeria to, as you mentioned, COVID. And of course, we've been in our houses, not just socially distancing, but physically distancing. And for many of us, that takes a toll on... <clears throat> you know, I would say mental health and well-being and just how you position yourself with how you talk to people, if you can even talk to people. But I am hopeful. I've, I've seen such a groundswell of, of amazing activists coming through, yes. uh, talking about Black lives, all Black lives mattering, speaking about themselves and what they see for the future so unapologetically and it's beautiful to see and to watch it's just a shame that we are at a place having to discuss why all black lives matter right um yeah i'm i'm happy because i'm thankful to be alive i think that that's mm -hmm. the bottom line this world just feels so foreign and alien at the moment that, you know, you give thanks for where you're at, what you've got, what you're doing, That's and right. that you've got a job. That's right. That's right. And we can show up and do the work every single day. And during these times, um, especially when such incredible movements are happening around the world, it does feel like an honor and a blessing to be able to, to show up and do this work. Yeah. So... What have you been up to lately, though, just in terms of work? I did spot a few pictures on Instagram of, you know, <laughs> with that body beautiful, perfect image. And I was like, damn, where has she been and what is she doing? Oh, well, I think, uh, you know, Instagram can uh, only tell us part of the story. And so um, <laughs> I've unfortunately been posting a, a lot less because, uh, things here in, in the States, as folks know, are, are quite heating up. We're uh, less than two weeks into our presidential election. And so the American Civil Liberties Union, where I work, um, is, is, a, is a civil rights and civil liberties organization that really covers the waterfront of, of, of civil liberties issues. Uh, and so as you can imagine, when it comes to immigrants' rights and voting rights, racial justice, LGBTQ, um, LGBTQ folks, so the rights of people with disabilities, we have women's rights, right? we have reproductive rights, we have projects that are focused on all of these issue areas. And as, as you all know, all of these issue areas are under attack, we're having to fight for our rights. So we are full steam ahead. And so it's been a very, very, very busy time, um, especially going into the election, but just broadly, I mean, it's been um, an outrageously busy time over the last four years. Um, so if I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. And anything that you see on Instagram are these little glimmers of, of rest that can come in because I think that I think that that self-care is so incredibly important. I know it's an overused phrase. I know we talk about um, the necessity of kind of caring for ourselves in different ways that we could do that. Uh, but I have been stretched definitely during this year to find more inventive and imaginative and um, restorative ways to, to engage in, in self-care. And, and so, yes, one of them was uh, was going to the Grand Canyon <laughs> uh, just a couple just a couple weeks ago, uh, and just really being like, being at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and taking in the smallness, right? The smallness of 
of, of myself and, and all of us um, when, when things feel so kind of overwhelming and, and, and monumental and, and heavy in, in a big, in a bad way. So to feel mm-hmm. small in a very good way was, was something that was actually pretty transformative for me. But that's, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Amazing. It looked amazing. And I'm glad that you got the opportunity to, to at least recenter. Because often we don't get the chance to do that. We're on to the, the next thing and the next thing. And before you know it, you know, we've forgotten about all of our little lifestyle tips of creaming our face, creaming our ankles and making right. sure it's not ashy. And yeah. So <laughs> And that's so important, right? Like making making yourself like the, like making yourself feel good. Um, is so essential and crucial to how we're able to show up in the work and show up in the movement. And I think that movement leaders and, um, and, and organizers um, so often sacrifice themselves for the work. Um, and so we have, to, we have to remind ourselves of like the principal importance of, of taking care of like kind of putting your mask on first, right? I talk about that a lot, putting your mask on first so that you can, you can save, you can go out and, and, and save and, and work with your, your colleagues in the fight. So it's, it's really important. Yeah. I, I mean, I managed to recenter myself a little as well. Yeah. Work has been incredibly busy and yeah. I think that we're lucky to still be able to have the jobs that we do and working internationally we've um, seen such a huge uh, intensified way of how we've got to look at say LGBT plus rights and that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and when we say the plus that takes account for pansexual, asexual, intersex and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we did this research piece on um, what COVID looks like, how it's impacted LGBT people in the Commonwealth. And we found that from mental health to well-being, precarious work that people are finding themselves in or not, may the case be, um, their culture, their lifestyle, how it impacts indigenous workers or indigenous LGBT people, the fact that there's state violence and and all of this has been intensified, the lack of access to health and education and, you know, housing. I needed just to take a moment out and... um, I took all the necessary precautions. I had a COVID test before I went and filled in all the paperwork and I ended up in Barbados where... Oh, yes. (laughs) No, I saw it. Oh, yes. I think I had an outfit for every hour and I was just taking pictures like, you know, like nobody's business. I was like, yes, I'm away. You have to. An outfit for every hour? Get the chance to do it again. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. How long were you there? Um, Just a week. Okay. That's, I mean, but a week after, after how we've been, kind of cooped up can really feel like two or three weeks until you get back and then it feels like a vanished like that. Yeah. And I'm I'm like this I wish that everyone could experience just being able to recenter themselves or have the opportunity. And I, I get that it's a, a privilege to be able to do it in times like this where you know many people are finding themselves in very difficult situations but I needed it to 
really help my own peace of mind, mental health and well-being so that I could come back and be able to get back to the hitting the ground running and support people in the way that they need to. That's right. You had to fill that cup up for yourself. I'm so glad that you that you have and I'm appreciative of you for modeling that for for us. Like I was saying before, I think it's really hard for for um, for organizers and activists to take that time away. It feels almost almost selfish. Right. And we have to change that that framing We have to change that thinking and understand that if we're not if we're not taking care of ourselves and we're no we're no good, we're no use to anybody else. So in a, in a lot of ways. You take care of yourself so that you can better serve others. And so I'm always grateful to you for modeling that for us. Well, I was hoping that you'd invite me to your next trip, but you know, <laughs> hey, I you already know you have an open invite. You you're too busy for me though. You're too busy for me. <laughs> well, you know, then we have we have to change that. We have to change that. I think we're lucky go. we've got this opportunity on cause catch ups to catch up and that's yeah. what it's all about right let's right. stay connected but you know do you remember because i was thinking back to when we first met mm-hmm. do you remember <laughs> i do i do <laughs> well, what were your impressions and, and do you do you actually really remember oh i really remember in london yeah. Uh, London in a restaurant. You would know the name of the restaurant better than I. Am I getting this right so far? Yes, you are. Yeah. I can't <laughs> restaurant, though. <laughs> oh, gosh. And Not everything you need to say, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, you, you can tell that I'm editing. I'm like, what is appropriate? <laughs> I, I will say that we made a night of it had a blast, hit it off literally immediately, and obviously had so many kind of mutual connections, but, but, but Chloe was our primary connection. And so had this opportunity before we were going to speak, um, speak and be in community together at, um, in Parliament. And before that, predating that, we were able to meet at a restaurant, eat, drink, just laugh the night away. And I'm not certain that in my life I've had many first-time interactions that were that magnetic and connective from the jump. You have this experience of, um, of connecting with folks and I really do think it's, it's, a, it's a very rare occurrence where that first connection, you say, ah, you know what? This, I don't know where this person has been, but I know for a fact that this person isn't going anywhere from, from <laughs> this point on. So <laughs> how did I live my life without this connection before? But I know I'm going to work really hard to make sure that I don't have to live my life without this person moving forward. So, um, so I do remember the, the good times we had there, but what really <laughs> stuck with me was how we connected immediately, immediately yeah. from the very beginning. And I think that that's what sticks with me. I, the moment I met you, I was like, Oh my gosh, she is so fine. Oh, you are beautiful. And I'm somebody that if somebody or something is great and beautiful, I have to say it. So people often think I'm always flirting, regardless of who it is. Uh, I think there's a bit of that. But I saw you and I was like, she is stunning. She is absolutely gorgeous. And I have to let her know. And the way you were just shimmying around in those heels. <laughs> was it a shimmy? Was it a shimmy? <laughs> you, you gave a shimmy. And I thought she's either doing that on purpose or she's just 
slaying in her lane. So, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, the feeling is so mutual. You have such an aura about you, and I know you've heard this your entire life. You have such an aura about you that not only brings folks into space with you, um, and, but you're also able to elevate folks within this space. So people can come to you as they are, um, and you take that, you accept that, and you build folks up beyond even what they brought to you. And it's um, and you did that for me that night. You're doing it for me <laughs> right now. Um, I'm just so, I'm grateful for your gifts. I'm just so grateful. Do you remember the music though? <laughs> we had like a little live band that was there and we were trying to work out what we wanted to drink and i'm oh like oh it's fine let's just keep on drinking not that we're advocating we we talk about drinking safely and responsibly That's right. That's right. but it was a night where we were merry <laughs> we 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 did eat drink and we were very merry and i do remember it was like a jazz cover band mm -hmm. and they would surprise us with all kinds of Interesting. I wish I could remember any of the songs. I took a lot of videos that night and uh, and had to post them for folks back home. I was like, "Oh, y'all are not going to believe the things they were they were covering here." But um, we were merry. We were we were quite <laughs> quite merry. They threw us for a few loops there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I even remember the point at which I said, "You know, I think I really really like you. You are such a beautiful person. That's it. We can get married." That's right. Really asking you that we're going to there was just me telling you that because i have such a connection to you that we're going to get married <laughs> you're so right it wouldn't be fair to characterize it as a proposal because it wasn't a question it was like okay you are now allowed to marry me which again honored honored and i was like well it's about time let's get this going isn't it nice to just remember great moments especially in the midst of everything that is going on in the world. Great moments in the before times, right? Just all of that feels just so removed from us now, but it does, it does fill my spirit to remember that those kinds of beautiful connective moments are awaiting us on the, on the other side, on the other side of this. But it, yeah. does, it does feel good. It does feel good just to think about we could just be together and laugh. How would you say you express yourself and that's a really broad question but mm -hmm. you know often in the and i don't want to just limit this to the lgbt plus community there are so many things about labels and mm -hmm. you know whether one is a femme a stud or a butch or a masculine presenting you know yeah. how would you say you express yourself or even identify Yes, this is this is so interesting, and I think I, I won't. You know, we won't limit it necessarily just to the LGBTQ community, but I do think that there are there are things to be said about those intersections there and and what it looks like. You know, I'm I'm actually thinking about um, in terms of how I express myself. I'm almost immediately thinking about clothing and and how that helps me express myself authentically, and and frankly, how that's ebbed and flowed throughout. And throughout my life. Um, and, and so I was actually thinking about this the other day. I actually think about clothing like bark on a tree. And um, so go with me a little bit. I was, in, I was an English major in, in undergrad or uni, I believe as you all say. Uh, so, you know, roll with the metaphor. Um, but the bark is there 
Bark is there to protect a tree, right? It helps it grow. It can also be a visual stimulant for kind of the ecosystem that surrounds it. And the bark serves the tree so well. But at some point, the tree sheds the old bark and it grows a new layer. And there's nothing that was ever wrong with that bark. It just, yeah, it was just time for it to be shed. It, it served such a meaningful and important purpose, but it just wasn't helping the tree grow anymore. And so the tree needed to make room for something new. And, um, and clothing and fashion feel like that to me. Uh, I've been able to use it and express my gender of style, my gender or my style. And then when it doesn't serve me, when it's not properly doing that anymore, I get to shed that style and I find something yeah. else that fits, that fits my growth. Um, I think the final thing I'll say about that is like one of my favorite things about style and fashion in particular is that it gets to evolve, right? Um, I moved recently. I was living in Brooklyn and then um, moved to Philadelphia just temporarily um, while, you know, while we're in this, while we're in this COVID kind of um, remote situation. And it was wild as I was going through my closets to pack, I was seeing how much my clothes had changed over the years. And I would look at each piece and try to sort through my keeping this, my donating it. And I'd ask myself, when was the last time I wore this? And for so many pieces, I realized that I had outgrown them, right? Either because my gender had shifted and evolved or my body had changed or the style had gone out of fashion. But what was beautiful was realizing how much I'd been able to use clothes and how well clothes had served me in my own evolution. So mm -hmm. um, that was probably a little bit of a roundabout answer, no, but, but that's, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my experience. Way you, you explain that because I, I, I get that. I really do. You know, I was looking at pictures because we've reached a 15 year mark at UK Black Pride. Yeah. And I was looking at what did I look like every year up until that 15th year. So yeah. for me, hairstyles and jewelry, accessories are a big part of how I express myself. So the bigger the chain or whether it's junk jewelry, the more vibrant I feel. You know, when I've got a short hairstyle, whether it's a weave, I'm feeling probably a bit more professional and assertive and confident. Right. A longer weave, like, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to be a Beyonce or <laughs> Beyonce's trying to be me, but she's just got my money. But I kind of feel like I'm feeling a bit more sassy and a bit more sexier with a, a longer mm. mane. And something about having a bob hairstyle makes me feel like, yeah, I'm just doing me and I'm rolling with it and nobody yes. can tell me anything different. But clothes are such an essential part of how we look, the way we wear them, the way we carry ourselves in them. And my mother's always said, you know, you can buy something for five pounds and make it look like it costs 500 pounds. Sure or can. You, know, you can wear the clothes or you can allow it to wear you. And not just because this is cos, but there's something about cos clothing for me mm -hmm. that fits so well. As a larger, voluptuous, you know, sassy black woman, yeah. I need stuff which makes me feel comfortable and doesn't cling on to the wrong areas. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I look in my wardrobe and I've got quite a few things that I would wear now, which I wore 10 years ago. Mm. And I think that that's, it's great. But again, as you said, it's about body changing and how one sees themselves. And That's right. Yeah, That's that journey. Right. And those, those timeless pieces are like, are, are so important. I'm just thinking like, there's just so, it's, there's just so much that 
that we can that we can do with style that it's actually one of the first ways that we can tell the world kind of who we are and how we want to show up and I think a lot, like you, you talked about the size piece. I think for a lot of us, um, like often like clothing is not acceptable, right? And I, I think that I think about that in terms of like folks struggle with clothing that fits their gender or that clothing that comes in their size, clothing that they can afford, right? And then if you add clothing that's ethically made to that list, it can sometimes feel impossible for folks. So I think it's actually incredibly powerful that that um, that cause or that other folks have other brands that really feel like they can they can be authentically themselves because clothes are so much more than just than trends right like style and fashion is more than trends or, or cute clothes um, it's just the way that the world can understand us one of the ways the world can understand us better um, and and so I, I love that, that you that you have that that connection and also you mentioned um, the part that hairstyles play. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking about that I have my exact same experiences where I can look back on, um, you know, pride events or, or um, I do event production here in Philadelphia. And so like I'm heavily photographed as you are. And so you could kind of track where I will. Oh, China, no, that's 2008. I remember. <laughs> right. Woo, okay. Like I remember what was going on there. Um, and that's really powerful. Uh, but what's exciting for me, I would say specifically as a black woman is the way that we can change our hair right? Like we could change our hair. So you were talking about a little, a shortcut, a bob, a long flow and Beyonce. We, and you can do all those things in one day if you want to. As you just turn, you just switch it around. Um, and so I love that. I love that about our style. I love that about our culture. There's something that's deeply liberating about it. It really is. It really is. When we're talking about platforms, you know, what do you think are some of the most effective ways to amplify voice and you know what platforms do you use really the social media platforms are really important so i'll talk about some of the external ones and then some of what it looks like internally and in terms of my work um but probably instagram is, is my favorite platform right right now it used to be facebook but there are certainly some challenges there and so on instagram i'm um dapper underscore stem and that's s-t-e-m-m E, um, and that's, it's a play on like a combination of stud and, and femme within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and that again, lends a little bit to like the different kind of gender play that I'll do with fashion sometimes. Um, and so there you'll find all kinds of kind of like political commentary as well as like a good mix of kind of personal experiences you were talking about with like Grand Canyon or vacation pictures. Um, I think behind that probably be, be Facebook and I'm on there on, with my name, Amber Hikes. And then there's Twitter that's behind that, that I'm just, I'm trying to be like you, like, <laughs> you on all the platforms, just nailing it. And, uh, and I, I, I have to be honest, I, I struggle there. And so it's a little bit, it's a little sporadic when it gets to Twitter, but I, I'll come on, I'll pipe up and do a little bit of something here and there. Uh, and then LinkedIn, uh, when it comes to some of the more professional pieces. Uh, but, but you know, <laughs> it, it's hard to keep up with all of them, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you. It's a, that's a whole nother job. Uh, so I got to get better at it because there are incredible spaces. And I think specifically over the, uh, over the summer with the uprising for Black Lives, it's just such an, an intersectional movement. And we had an opportunity to really access the thought leadership um, and, um, and, and the vision, right, of some, of some leaders that we don't always have that kind of access to. So I really appreciate social media being an equalizer mm -hmm. um, to a certain extent in, in that way. And I'm, this is a good accountability measure for me to get my game up. 
<laughs> well, I mean, yeah, social media can be a great place to, you know, get news, find out about new jobs and so forth. But it can also be so tiring, um, especially okay. like when you're trolled or something like that, or you're seeing things which are just not healthy or or don't feel healthy for you at that present moment but I do like Twitter I think it's instant it's you know what's going on right now I'm speaking to such and such quick picture there you know I think with the Instagram putting pictures up I'm like oh that's nice but how do I get rid of that blemish or that stretch mark oh I didn't know I had that there but I think, yeah, I think social media is good, but I think one of the greatest platforms that we both have mm. is the one just a voice within our communities in speaking and connecting to people on a one-on-one -on -one or whether it's a crowd of people. And, you know, I remember when you attended UK Black Pride and you took to that stage and I could see all of the black and brown faces and our white colleagues and comrades just looking up in awe because that was a platform that you used to speak about so many different things, the different intersections of our lives and what we can do better and how we can be better. And I, I want to ask you, because we use this word intersectionality, and mm. I've had the great pleasure of meeting and spending time with Professor Kimberly Crenshaw, right. who coined this word. Um, but do you want to just explain in a, a quite a short synopsis of what is intersectionality? Yes, absolutely. I'd love that. I'd love that. Um, so intersectionality is the lens through which you can see where power comes and collides and where it interlocks and intersects. Like one way that we tend to talk about it is how our intersecting identities connect into each other. And that's, that's only part of the story, right? The real piece of intersectionality is about power and privilege and how, how um, interlocking oppressions, right, can, can, can compound and really impact a person's experience, right? So there's that, that, that piece that's in, important there. Um, and you talk about Dr. Crenshaw, which I'm so grateful for, um, for folks that don't know, she's a scholar, law professor, and she did first coin that term intersectionality to help us understand. She helped us understand it by talking about a lawsuit where a major automotive company had fired all the black women that were working at their plant. And so I could go into, into what that looks like, but essentially the law, brought this case, the law said, well, you can't sue for being black women. You have to pick. So were you discriminated against because you're black or because you're women? Because you can't say both. And what was challenging is that there were black men that worked on the floor of the, of the automotive plant. So you couldn't win the case by saying it was because they were black and there were white women who worked in the office. So you couldn't say that it was because they were women, but it was the, because of the intersection of those identities as black women that they were fired. Um, and so Dr. Crenshaw took this case and built one of the most important principles of, of modern activism around that gap. And that's just one example of intersectionality. But I'm, I'm, so, I'm so jealous that you got to me, but I'm mostly jealous of, of her that she got to spend more time with you. Yeah, but you explain that so beautifully. And I think that often in this world, which everyone's now talking about diversity, equality, inclusion, 
right. you know it often gets misused so that the way you've just framed that is so important and in my own work we take an intersectional approach That's to right. what we do and I think where uh, Professor Kimberly Crenshaw has the theory and the framework it's about what is the practical and how do we use it by making sure that yes there's inclusion but looking at the intersections of where say an indigenous queer woman who also is of the trans experience that's, that's right. living in an, a, a country like say Tuvalu or Vanuatu is experiencing climate change how mm. do we those that compound and I, I think mm -hmm. that's important I just wanted you to explain it and it, you did so thank you absolutely yes, you know, because you won't marry me anymore. You know, I've, I've moved on to seeing if Professor Kimberly Crenshaw wants to. <laughs> See, this, is, this is what I'm talking about. That's, that's how that rescind. It happens so fast. Just <laughs> lightning fast. Just right there. I'm kicked to the curb. Just like that. <laughs> short. And actually, it's not legal to have two. So I will just, um, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm accustomed. I'm accustomed to it. I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, oh, you know, you make me smile so much. Uh, my heart just feels so warmed by having this conversation with you. It's feeling so mutual. It's, 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 I see it as life changing every time I'm able to connect with you. You know, life changing sounds big, but, you know, I have loads of life changing moments. What would you say is one of your life changing, most life changing moments? Mm. So you mentioned um, UK Black Pride, and that was absolutely, that was my first time that I was able to, to be not just on the stage at UK Black Pride, but actually in a space, um, a, a space that was so expansive, um, so liberating, right? That was, that was truly there for the function, for the purpose of uplifting folks who shared my experience. And again, those intersections, right, of my identities. Um, and so I would absolutely say that my experience at UK Black Pride was, um, was absolutely a life-changing um, experience. And I'm so grateful for it. So grateful to you for creating that space for me and for so many, so many folks. Um, so I'm so thankful for that. Um, one of the experiences that brought me there was um, was the the launch and introduction and creation of the rainbow flag with black and brown stripes, the more inclusive pride flag. Um, and so launching that in Philadelphia in 2017 was absolutely also a life-changing moment. And it's a life-changing moment that pulls in some of the threads of um, of earlier pieces of this very conversation, um, kind of like that double-edged sword of the impact of social media. Um, the importance of bringing an intersectional lens, and I would even say, kind of the gaps of where allyship can can fall can fall um, can fall down and, and really be a uh, be a failure for folks that don't that don't hold particular identities and struggle with how they should be showing up for for others. But um, but I'll say that um, that that launch of that flag, a flag that's in solidarity with LGBTQ uh, people of color and specifically Black and Brown folks, that was a life changing moment for me. Um, the reception, kind of the global reception of such a, a powerful symbol, um, then being kind of almost immediately met with, with pushback from folks that didn't share those identities and, and felt like um, it was inappropriate to be elevating the experience of, of BIPOC folks um, and, and within the LGBTQ community, like that, that conversation, that, that, um, that conflict, uh, that movement, 
was absolutely was absolutely life changing. And even that flag stands on the on the shoulders of, of your work um, at UK Black Pride and your your work just in the in the world, Lady Phil. So I'm I'm grateful to you for being able to provide a space for for all of us to be able to, to get free. Um, but so thank you for being such a part, uh, both explicitly and implicitly, of some of the most life changing moments that I've had. Well, that's beautiful. I, I take, I can't take all of this credit because, you know, in any movement, we know that there are so many that have helped really amplify what needs to be done, whether they've given their funding, whether they've created or carved out spaces that we've not historically held or occupied, or whether it's just their knowledge, their time, their support. And I think what you did in the introduction of the most inclusive flag. Of course, it doesn't change the issues that we're still facing around racism, homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia. But what it does, it says there's a whole community of queer people who are black and brown, who are trans, who need to feel that they own this flag as well. And I love the fact that you spoke to, you know, Gilbert's family in making sure that this was not going to offend anyone and all of that resistance that you got from it just was another lever and a driver to go forward because you were doing the right thing and for me that was life-changing seeing that i I think i've got so many life-changing moments so amber i'll be, be here all day i think from my daughter who you know, now 25 and got through uni to UK Black Pride, which is transformative and transformational and provides a safe and a brave space for so many of us. And just the work that happens in Kaleidoscope Trust, the LGBT human rights charity in opening doors, making connections with high commissioners, parliamentarians, but Mm. importantly working with civil society across the Commonwealth. I've seen what can be done when you collaborate, when you really push out in countries where they're still criminalized and they're just saying enough is enough, but we want legal reform. We want to change things. That has been life changing for me to continually see day in, day out. And Mm. I know that I'm ever so privileged to be in an honor to be in a position where I get to do that work every single day. And kind of, you know, I'm going to be really cliche here and I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. You know, you inspire me, you motivate me, you, you know, you make me feel good as a black woman. I look at you and I'm like so in awe of what you're achieving and what you're doing. Who inspires you? Thank, okay, quick fire. You said you said other than you, Lady Phil, which of course um, we we've already covered that here. Um, who inspired me are young young queer activists. That's exactly right. Those are the folks that have that have um, helped raise me in community throughout my throughout my um, my career and continue to inspire me and push me every single day. Like young people are our north star, and young queer. Um, queer activists are absolutely the ones that inspire me and and help me be better. 
useful because the next generation is what it's about right that's exactly right my next question to you is what do you what sort of books do you read or are you reading right now oh that's fantastic um so i (laughs) i would love to be reading more and i'm actually going to be i love fiction and so i'm going to work on um, trying to get back into fiction instead of reading. Right now, it just feels like I'm reading for the work that I do all the time. So right now, I'm actually reading Cast. I'm reading um, Isabel Wilkerson's Cast, um, and she did Worth of a Thousand Sons. And um, it's it's really, it's incredibly brilliant. I've watched a few like podcasts um, with her talking about Cast, but I absolutely recommend that to, to folks. Are you going to answer these two? Because I'm very interested in what your answers are. Oh, so many books, so many books. Um, I think I've got Queenie uh, by Candice Carty Williams. It's just amazing. But at the moment, I'm reading Black Fatigue by Mary Frances Winters. And that's something to just help me navigate through all of what I'm feeling and thinking and doing. So next question to you. And I know I said quick fire. It's so hard to quick fire question with you because I want to know so much. (laughs) What are you doing to look at self-care by way of a ritual, an everyday thing that you do that helps you? I got it. One thing I do every single morning is um, read from a devotional just to like set myself. And the second thing I do is I work out. I work out every single morning. I'm either running or I'm lifting. Uh, but it's, it, that's one thing that is a practice that I can, that I can hold to and actually makes me feel um, alive and connected to my body. Oh. Beautiful. See, I'm getting better with this quick fire thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's because like, it's, it's a podcast and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I could talk to you for hours. I don't want it to be over. I don't want it to be over. Um, what do I do as a ritual? I, I wake up now every morning without fail and I just give thanks. Oh, yes. And giving thanks means that I'm just thankful for waking up and seeing another day. I know it sounds so cliche, but I do it because I, I realize that so much has changed in the way I live my life, what right. I do, how I work, who I'm working with, that I'm thankful. And, and you I, can't take it for granted. You can't take it for granted. Yeah, I really am. So then my last quick a question to you and then I'm going to ask you about you know future plans is how do you give back to the community Mm. this is this is something that I have been uh, thinking about I'm I'm sorry I can't do a long answer Um, the first things that come to mind uh, mentoring um, and, and, and allowing myself to be more mentored, which I think it's a very important piece, um, and be mentored by folks who were younger than me and, um, you were in this work that I am, uh, but I would say mentoring for sure. And I continue to give back by, um, by, by protesting, continuing to be active, um, no matter what's going on in my professional life, my personal life. I think it's important as I am, as I am able to be physically present um, in this moment in, in, our, in our world's history. Um, and so mentoring, allowing myself to be mentored and still taking to the streets, raising our voice, making a ruckus, getting into good trouble. What about you? 
well, my answer differs from when, if you would have asked me that, you know, maybe six to eight months ago. But mm -hmm. I think one of the ways I now give back is I stop and I stand still and I find a way to rest because I wasn't resting. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sleeping well enough. I wasn't taking care of myself. And it meant that, you know, there were decisions or things that I was doing that was ever so rushed. And you mentioned earlier on, if you are not good for yourself, you can't be good for anybody else. So my way to give back is to take a pause and reflect and have that reflection moment about, am I actually okay? just even the wellness of checking myself, whether it's checking breasts, making sure you book that appointment to go to the gynae clinic, right. sure that, you know, I also feel on top of it by looking after skin. And then I'm able to go back into the community and really ask questions like, what is it that you would like me to do with you, for you, or on behalf of you? That's right. You can show up more fully because you've taken care of yourself. You filled that glass up. You put that mask on first, uh, on yourself first, and you can go serve everybody else. We both know it, right? We, we know it's easier said than done. And I'm not perfect. I don't always get it right. And sometimes right. we sat up at three o'clock in the morning, still writing or sending that email. But yep. we, we're getting there. We sure are. We sure are. Bit by bit, we're getting there. So... You know, as we are getting there, I know we're coming to our time. Mm -hmm. What are your future plans? What does the what does the future hold for you, or would you like it to hold for you? What's next? <laughs> oh, it sounds like you've been reading my journal, Lady Phil. You've been reading my journal. Um, I'll say it's a little challenging to think about the future these days, and I'm wondering if other people are having that experience. I've been getting into an exercise of trying to pushing myself, thinking beyond the next two weeks, right, where everybody's looking into the election, thinking beyond the end of this year, thinking beyond COVID and what that looks like for me. I don't, if I'm being transparent with you, I don't have a lot of answers for that right now um, because everything does feel so impermanent, right? Things are shifting kind of constantly in, in the moment. But what I do know, what's been true for me my entire career is that whatever the next step will always be in service to my people. It'll always be in service to community. I can't, um, I, I can't see another path for myself. I'm interested in another path. And the, the different positions that I've held and the work that I've done has shifted. Um, it's, it's, it's gone across so many different sectors, but the one thing that's been constant is that it's always been in service to building spaces, creating spaces for people mm -hmm. to belong, for people to find themselves and to find their people. Um, and so I know whatever the next step is, that's, that's what it's going to be. And so we'll see. But what about you? What is next? What is next? Being able to wake up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that future question is so huge, given that we are going through so much in this world. I'd like to hope and think that the future is about, as you said, continuing to carve out safe and brave spaces for us in service, in servitude of those who we support, who we work with, who, you know, we build with or who are our chosen family. Um, I think the future holds for me is seeing my daughter excel 
and continuing to grow and continuing to understand what love feels like mm. because I think sometimes there's a lack of love, compassion and beautiful feelings that is expressed. So, yeah, future is... That they say the future is bright. That's <laughs> well, I right. That it becomes brighter for many of us who are feeling disadvantaged or in a soul-destroying dark place and that we've got a way of looking up, speaking up, feeling that we're up and supported by one another in solidarity. Oh, from your lips <laughs> to the universe's ears. Oh, well, see, I'm, I'm, I'm saying we're getting married now again. It's happening. <laughs> I'm not going to take it back. I just, I love you more today than I did yesterday and even more tomorrow, as they say. My, my love only grows for you too, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on this journey as you will have me. <laughs> uh, I, I will always have you. So look, this is, it's been amazing speaking with you. This has been the Cos Catch Up with me and the amazing Amber Hikes. Hit subscribe in your podcast app if you'd like to hear more and head over to cosstores.com to join in the conversation online. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>